Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I'm so honored to have you here again today joining this vital conversation about the importance of dads in the lives of their kids. And you know by now that my focus primarily is on the dad-daughter relationship, but like a lot of dads tell me, Dr. Michelle, this applies to my sons too. Well, every week I use the template, on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic, get set is filling in that topic with stories, with stats, and always ending with a go step. So dads, today you are going to love that I am having a return guest. She's a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Margaret Nagib. I love the fact that when I had her on the program a couple months ago, not only when she talked about the heart brain, did it minister to me and teach me some things, but I even had one dad write and say, I've listened to it three times because there was so much good stuff in there. So I just had to have her back. Well, Margaret is a clinical psychologist specializing in Christian counseling. She has a private practice in Chicago, as well as lead faculty at Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center in Chicago, where she actually created their Christian treatment program. Dr. Margaret holds an inner healing training workshop protocol. She's developed this. She teaches around the world where she's helping both professionals and lay counselors. She speaks at conferences on wholeness and emotional health, not only for church groups, but other groups around the U.S. and the world. She's author of Souls Like Stars, and we're going to be talking about that today. The subtitle is Renew Your Mind, Heal Your Heart, and Unveil Your Shine. She's also written a book called Sozo for Professional Counselors. And my goodness, this woman has a depth to her. She is a kindred spirit of mine, and I'm so excited that you're here again today. Welcome, Dr. Margaret Nagib. Hi, Michelle. It's so fun to be here with you again. Well, I can honestly say, and I just want to put this out there, that you, I just want to validate you as my friend. You are such a beautiful combination of wisdom and intelligence. So that's why I love being around you. I want you to rub off on me as, as I learn new things and I'm challenged to grow, to dig deeper. And just thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here today. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure. So fun to be with you. Well, on your mark, we are calling this today healing father wounds. Really simple, but more complex than it might seem. So get set. This is putting that topic into motion. Last week on the program, I focused on facing our father wounds. And today, Dr. Margaret is going to be talking about healing father wounds. And I know that as you hear from her, you're going to get a whole nother level of insight into this topic based on her experience, based on her education, and based on her knowledge of the word. So it's she's bringing a beautiful combination, um, I think, to the foundation that was laid last week. Well, let me just start, Dr. Margaret, by asking, do you think it's really possible to get healing from father wounds? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think... Um, the thing that helps people is to identify what's happening. First of all, you know, sometimes we don't even realize we might have a father wound, um, but through a process of forgiveness and insight, absolutely. I think people become stronger actually when they work through their father wounds. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Next question. This is what comes to my mind is, but how do you know if you have a father wound? Like you just said, we don't always know they're there. So how do you know if you have yeah. one? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. At the end of the day, I can't tell you if you have one. I mean, you can only know that for yourself. But when you think about, you know, your upbringing, or you think about your dad, if you find that, you know, you you feel a little resentment or some bitterness or anger, or even some anxiety, 
um, that could be a sign of kind of unfinished business, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be connected to some kind of wound. Um, the reality is, I really think that as we get older, we all go through a shift, you know, so I don't know if you remember, you know, maybe around college or high school, when you're you're older and you begin to see your parents as humans, you know, you realize, man, like, like life is hard, like they try really hard and there's good and there's bad, just like in yourself, there's, there's strengths and and there's weaknesses. And so I think it's really important um, to be able to, and, and you know, I think that's something we go through when we're younger, but I've, I've met people who, who never quite got over that and never mm. quite worked through that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to work through that. And you really can come to a place, like I know for me, um, I remember in grad school um, having, you know, a graduation party and I, I went to grad school in Chicago, grew up in New York. So my dad was there, mm-hmm. my family was there. And I remember um, hearing my dad with like my friends surrounding him and they were just laughing. And later on, you know, them coming up to me, all of them, you know, at some point saying, your dad is so amazing. He's so funny. He's so this. And I remember a little bitterness in my heart, Michelle, like, uh, really? Like he's not, I'm not sure he's quite that way with me. And I really had to take Mm. a look at that. And it it uncovered for me, like, oh, there's some, there's some stuff here. Mm -hmm. Um, Because ultimately, you know, father wounds are about areas in our life in which we, we didn't have the dad we wanted, Right. And right. and that's in some ways inevitable because no dad is perfect. So when you think of the needs that we specifically get from dads, I kind of lump them into three categories. Mm. So there's provision, um, the sense of like you have what you need emotionally, physically, spiritually. There's identity. We've, we really get a sense of who we are from our dads. We look to our dads, especially to have the sense of identity. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is protection. So how do you feel safe in the world? Do you feel like the world is a good, a good place? So w- when you think about those three categories and you think about your dad, if you, if you notice any gaps, like, oh, God, I didn't really feel provided for by my dad or mm-hmm. I didn't feel protected, then, you know, that's a, that's a, I would call that a father wound and something to work through. So go back to what you just said about, okay, we all have to come to that place where we realize our dads are human. They've failed us, sometimes intentionally, sometimes non-intentionally, maybe a combination of both, where maybe out of the overflow of their unhealed stuff, it flows Mm -hmm. over into their parenting, which is a bit of what I talked about last week. And you said at this party, you had your friends thinking your dad was so funny, but you said it hurt a little bit because you didn't, is it that you didn't get that side of him at home or what was that about for you? Well, I hadn't worked through, I think there was an unmet need there and I hadn't really worked through that. And as a result, I had actually created a wall. Mm-hmm. So in our, when we don't deal with our father wounds, we can actually keep ourselves from receiving the very thing that we want to receive. Um, Which is? I began to, uh, well, whether it's love or affirmation or lightheartedness, mm-hmm. um, whatever that need is, you know, that validation. Missing, yeah. Yeah, that I was missing with my dad. I realized, I think, later that I needed to recognize my dad has limitations. I have limitations. We all have limitations. And the minute I shifted and was able to see it as limitations and not as, oh, I'm never going to get this thing or he should do this for that mm-hmm. for me or this for me. Then all of a sudden it opened up this whole world where the things that my dad really is great at, 
um, the ways in which he, he does really well with providing for my needs or relating to me, all of a sudden there's parts of that that opened up that I that I didn't even let in before. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense because I think even as I'm hearing you, I think about my own story with my dad, even clients that I see is that opening up a capacity to say, here's where my dad missed my heart. Okay, I'm going to be honest about that. But working it through means that I open up my, like my lens, my, my ability to see who he is beyond just what he misses me in, you know, beyond that. Absolutely. So what you're, what you're pointing to is that really to deal with our father wounds, we have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And we have to be vulnerable to, number one, feel what we feel, the sadness that we feel about whatever it is or it's anger. And then we have to be vulnerable and be responsible and say, okay, what am I going to do with this? Exactly. And how am I going to choose to move forward as a daughter? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do I want to be? How do I want to be as a daughter? And how do I want to be with my dad? You know, right. Do I want to let go of those things and move on? Or am I going to hold on to those things and really, in the end, only hurt myself? Yeah, bingo. I think just to even define father wound a little bit clearer, I think about my mentor, Dr. James Friesen, who has defined woundedness this way. He talks about it in two dimensions, saying A and B trauma. That's what he calls it. And for the letter B, he calls that bad things. Okay, here's the bad things that I could point to, I could name. So when we're talking about processing father wounds, looking at them, there are probably things that everyone can write down and say, my dad said this, my dad did this, that hurt me. But the A, Dr. Friesen calls it, is the absence of good things. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. those are harder to realize or to see because it's what we didn't get. And then we watch someone else get something. And all it does is bring up the woundedness of what we didn't get. Can you speak to that A side when there's that longing for more? Yeah, I mean, I I think ultimately there, there are ways in which we think we needed our needs to get met. And when that longing is there, I, I do believe it's pointing to something. And the longing is good because these needs are good. These needs are important. And I think what I want people to know is even if you didn't get those needs met with your dad and you realize the certain limitations were like, I may never get this or that need met, that you can begin to understand that those needs can still get met, right? So they can get met because I can realize, wow, I really need this. And so I can begin to think about how am I going to get these needs met for myself? What other relationships in my life help me to meet those? There you go. It may not be met from dad, but it can be met elsewhere. Right. And then, and then the most important thing is what are the beliefs that I'm believing that got connected to that? Right. So if there's some kind of neglect or some kind of wound, I'm going to start, I'm going to have a thought connected to that. I'm going to have a belief Mm. connected to that. And oftentimes those are really negative and, you know, and they, they hurt us. They limit us in our life. Okay. Say and more so about that. You're, you're going deep, Dr. Margaret. You're getting into the thinking, the deep <laughs> beliefs behind yeah. what the emotions are all saying to us. Yeah. So there's some kind of neglect, like you pointed out, um, or, or, a wound, or a wound or a need that was not met. Mm-hmm. And so what do I do about that? Well, I, 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 as a child, I think there's some reason. Right. And usually children blame themselves. Right. There's mm-hmm. something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. Um, and those beliefs are the things that we take with us into our adulthood. 
And I call them limiting beliefs because they're absolutely limiting. You know, I may believe them because it's me, but like, if you were to tell me you believe that, I would look at you and think, well, gosh, that's so, that's so crazy. You're so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So if we can identify the limiting beliefs, oftentimes people come to me and they're like, well, you know what? I forgave my dad. Like I genuinely did. And I believe them that they did, but then they still find themselves struggling And so oftentimes what's happening there is they've forgiven, but they never identified the belief that got connected to that wound. Mm -hmm. And so they never dealt with that false belief. And really, we need to go through a process where we challenge that belief and um, we exchange it for the truth. Can you, who we really are. Right. Well, can you give us, I mean, some listening might go, okay, I'm tracking with you, but what do you mean by identifying the limiting beliefs? Can you give some examples of some of those limiting beliefs that people might have? Yeah, it's really not as hard as you think. This is what I okay. tell people. Think about any area of your life where when, when, when you think about it, you don't feel good. Like you feel suffering. You either feel upset, angry, anxious, you know, all those things that don't feel good. That's an area where you probably have a belief mm-hmm. and the belief is limiting you. And that's exactly why you're feeling anxious, angry, scared. And so you start with the feeling and you go, okay, where's this feeling coming from? And nine out of 10 times, there's some thought, there's some belief connected to it. Now, the good news about that is it, 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 will, it, will, it will come clear what that belief is. And then you begin to challenge that belief. Um, so what are some examples and, of limiting beliefs? What sure, might someone a limiting, believe? A limiting belief could be, um, you know, the first time I wrote my book, the first book that I wrote, um, it took me years to finally sit down and write. And it was because I believed that I wasn't going to, it, was, it wasn't going to be successful or I wasn't going to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that limiting belief I traced back, it actually didn't come back from, from, from my dad or my mom or anything like that. But I remember, you know, a professor in my freshman year in college. And I remember getting a C on a paper and going to him for help. And I remember the conversation and I remember coming away feeling like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I felt wounded, right? Because I didn't get what I needed from my professor. I went for help and he kind of, I came away feeling like, oh, this is just as good as it's going to get, right? And then I went away from that experience thinking, well, that's it. I'm just not a good writer. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I recognized that, it was like, oh, okay, well, I got to let that go. There's just, I mean, here I'm years out of college, right? And still believing this. And so it was a, it was a process of, okay, that's not true. Mm -hmm. And it's connected to my professor. And I actually forgave him out loud. (laughs) It's like, Rod, I forgive my professor for making me feel, you know, ashamed about my writing or Mm -hmm. that my writing wasn't going to be good enough. And um, I released that idea that I could never be a good writer And, you know, what's the truth? And then it's about connecting with your inner wisdom. It's about connecting maybe with God and even just reality. Like I remember having the thought, uh, you wrote a dissertation, (laughs) you can write a dissertation, you can probably write a book. So, yeah, that's just one example from my own life of so I, a limiting belief that was keeping me from, yeah. from a dream of mine to write a book. I love that because you said, I had a dream, but I couldn't move forward. So I had to go back. Right. And right. I think sometimes people say the past is the past. Leave it there. Why go mm-hmm. back and dredge something up? But you're saying you tune into what's getting blocked now and then you trace it back. So, Dr. Margaret, do you have any practical suggestions for identifying our limiting beliefs? Yes, absolutely. Um Number one, I think it's really important once you identify, gosh, yeah, I have some resentment here with my dad, um, is to forgive. 
And Mm -hmm. so I recommend actually with someone that you trust, sitting down with someone you trust, maybe it's your counselor, maybe it's just a friend, and you say, I want to forgive my dad and I want you to be a witness. And will you sit with me and, and literally just say out loud, I forgive my dad for... And then it's every, everything that comes to mind, just list it. And I think there's something about having a witness to that. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to feel like we're not alone in that. That's really powerful. And then step two would be, you know, identify the lies that are connected with that and identify the limiting beliefs connected to that. Three would be to, you know, work through that, challenge those beliefs, um, and then be ready to say, you know what, I'm going to let go of that. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And then you identify the truth. So what is true? And how do I begin to take action um, to actually live out my new truth? So I noticed that you just use the word lies and you interchange that with limiting beliefs. So some listening might attach more to one of those terms than the other. Are they interchangeable? Yep. You know, I think I just did that because recently I had I had a male client and he had a hard time with the word lies. He liked limiting beliefs better. <laughs> so okay. I personally like lie better because, you know, who wants to believe a lie, right? right. The minute I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm believing a lie. I want to, it gives me, it motivates me. Um, but I think because it was attached to his dad, we were actually doing some of this work in, around mm-hmm. father wounds. Mm-hmm. He had a hard time with that because he had a good dad. And so lie seemed too strong to him. And so then we talked about, well, is it a belief that you have that that limits you? Is it is it not true? Mm-hmm. And that really helped him. So, yeah, I, I do believe they're interchangeable because obviously lies limit us and they're they're mm-hmm. a belief that's not true. And limiting beliefs also obviously limit us and are not fully based in truth either. Yeah. Well, if you're just joining us, this is the Dad Whisperer, and I'm talking about healing father wounds with my friend, Dr. Margaret Nagib. Well, let's even keep going on this topic, because what comes to mind, you've beautifully laid out some of the process of doing work around father wounds, and yet the thought comes to me, because I'm sure you and I with clients have this come up a lot, I know I do, is what if someone has experienced abuse from their father? Let's say physical or sexual, emotional, verbal, I mean, we could go on even spiritual abuse, maybe even that neglect, that A trauma. How on earth does someone actually forgive that level of father wounding? Yeah. And, you know, the first thing I always tell people when I hear something like that is, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, none of us should have to go through that kind of trauma or abuse, especially when it's our father that hits you so deep. So remember what I said about identity and fathers. Um, When there's sexual trauma, that really hits us at our core, the essence of who we are. Um, gets affected by that. And so that's why it feels so hard to let go because it, it's not only violated your body or your your emotions, but it's violated the, how you think of yourself, the essence of how you see yourself in the world. Right. And so what I try to encourage people with is that it is possible to release that um, because it, it, it hits us on that deep part in our spirit. There's ties that are created. You know, there's healthy ties to people And there's unhealthy ties to people. And so forgiveness in a case like that is really about you letting go Mm -hmm. of unhealthy ties. Um, Because otherwise, you're you're literally dragging this person with you throughout life, metaphorically dragging them with you. And at the end of the day, you're the one who has the power to be free of that. So it's not easy. um, And it is a process. But it's a powerful, it's, I really believe it's the only way to ultimately be free. 
Yeah, and you're not saying that it's ever excusing or minimizing the behavior of how you've been abused or offended, but it's saying, I'm going to release them so that I don't have to carry the bitterness, resentment, anger, hatred any right. longer. I want to move forward without of that, without that. That doesn't mean it's safe to be in a relationship with that person. That doesn't mean it's safe to reconcile with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's all about the forgiver. It has really, and it honestly has nothing to do with the person you're forgiving. It's about you and you moving forward in your life yeah. and releasing the person that harmed you the most yeah. and the things around that. So I, I want to give a shout out now. If there's anyone listening, I want you to hear about Margaret's book. It is a workbook. So this isn't just a head book. It's a process book that will actually allow you to do some of the deeper work on moving through your pain. And the book is called Souls Like Stars, subtitle, Renew Your Mind, Heal Your Heart, and Unveil Your Shine. And Margaret, I want to read a section that you wrote in the section called The Truth About Forgiveness. Here's what you wrote. Can I quote you? (laughs) Uh, Sure. I I love what you said here because it's really (laughs) profound. You said, stepping into the truth of who and what you are becoming involves a very important spiritual choice, the choice to forgive. Forgiveness allows us to let go of the past and the negative ways it has defined us so we can embrace the truth God speaks to us about the future. By choosing to forgive those who have hurt us, We acknowledge that ultimately only God has the power to make all wrongs right. In His wisdom, love, and power, He can even use the evil we've suffered to produce something good in our lives. Now, that last line may may honestly throw some people for a loop because I agree with you because, you know, I've shared my story publicly about forgiving my grandfather for sexual abuse, even some others, and it involves spiritual abuse and some pretty intense stuff. And I'm living proof of what you're saying about releasing even the pain from evil that I suffered. Mm -hmm. But I would love you to talk a bit more about how do you actually move through this? Like, I guess I would say it this way. What would you say to the person who says, people are telling me I need to forgive and I'm trying, but I'm still Mm -hmm. bitter and angry. I try and say Mm -hmm. the words, but I still feel that same way. Yeah. I mean, my first thought would be, you know, similar to that quote and what you said about your grandfather, there does come a point where, you know, Forgiveness is two, twofold, two-fisted. On one hand, it's a spiritual practice, and so there is power behind it. There is. Um, you say those words aloud, and something is happening. You may not be feeling yet, but something is happening. And then on the other hand is needing to process all of those feelings. And some people in some situations just take longer than others, and I think that's okay. And so just because you're saying it but still feeling the struggle doesn't mean you're not in that process of forgiving. And and number two, because God has given it to us as a powerful tool, if we feel like somehow we're, we're not engaging with it like we would like to, then I pray with them. I pray and I pray for grace. Mm-hmm. You know, step one in the 12 steps says, you know, I've come to a place and I re- recognize that I'm powerless and I need a power greater than me. I need God to help me. And so sometimes we just stop and we just ask God to do the part for this. The per- person wants to do it. So let's ask God to, to come in and meet you halfway and do the part that is hard for you to do mm-hmm. and help you with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so appreciate you talking about even the prayer. And I think maybe some listening have never had anyone guide them in what a prayer would look like. How would you feel about ending our conversation today with a go step where you led those listening through 
a prayer of what it would look like to release the hurt that they've had so that they can heal from their father wounds. I would be honored. I would love that. So I would love you to lead us in that prayer right now, if you could. Okay, here we go. Yeah, so Father God, I thank you for all the amazing people listening. I thank you for our fathers. And I just present to you the concerns on people's hearts, the, the, the places in which they're struggling to forgive and have yet to be able to do that. And so, Father God, um, we ask you to, to make up the difference. So will you come, and in these coming days and weeks, will you speak to their hearts and guide them, take them right by the hand, be the father for them that they always needed and always wanted. And we thank you for the grace and the power of forgiveness. And we thank you that um, they'll be able to walk with that and they'll, they'll never be the same again, that they will find the freedom that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, thank you so much. I think sometimes maybe people never had someone lead them through a prayer of release. And so if that's been the cry of your heart to, to step forward into a new arena in your life, I just trust that that prayer, you know, it's nothing magical in that prayer, but you just heard Dr. Margaret lead in saying, you just say, God, I release this hurt to you, and I, I ask you to exchange it for your truth, for your peace, for your healing, because only you can give it. Well, Dr. Margaret Nagib, thank you for joining us today, talking about healing father wounds from your years of experience. Go and get her book, Souls Like Stars. You can get it on Amazon. It's a workbook that will allow you to process through some of your pain and work through that to come to healing. So it's been a joy to have you all listening today on The Dad Whisperer. You can always write me at drmichelle at thedadwhisperer.com. Go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where I have free resources, a link to my book. And dads, this is all about helping you. Daughters, it's all about speaking into your lives, helping you to move forward into healing. So dads, get out there this week again and intentionally and consistently pursue your daughter's hearts. Go dads.